Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about coaching through COVID with Ollie Carson. Now, Ollie and I connected through another podcast guest that was on this show previously, Matt Peacock. Um, they both have a show together called Ollie and Matt Chew the Fat, which you should definitely check out. Awesome show, great content, and really helpful for all you coaches and PTs out there. Now, Ollie used to serve in the British Army before leaving to PT and work alongside Jay Alderton. Uh, so, Grenade Jay is a lot of people will know him. Then Ollie left to open his own facility alongside two other partners and continued a hybrid between online and one-to-one face-to-face coaching for a further two years. So got a lot of experience in the fitness industry and more recently he's transitioned to fully online um, with really good success and he's currently splitting his work between that and mentoring a handful of coaches to grow their businesses too. So we're going to be diving into kind of this transition from offline to online, dealing with COVID and really the future of fitness and coaching in the new landscape that we find ourselves in today. So hope you enjoy this one, guys. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, leave a review. We'd really appreciate that. But let's get into this week's episode. Ollie, great to have you here, man. Thanks very much for having me, Alex, dude. I'm excited for this. Yeah, we had a we had a little bit of a back and forth before this podcast about various different things. And um, as we record this, there's a lot of interesting things going on in the world. And this mm. evening at 7 p.m. in the UK, for all our UK listeners, Boris is about to announce some new measures, maybe a plan, maybe give us a little, uh, a few inches in the right direction. Um, and we were speculating about what that might look like. But um, yeah, Ollie, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen later on tonight? I think first and foremost, and again, as we discussed kind of off air, um, whatever comes of this, it will be, I think it will be projections as opposed to immediate lifts and things. It's not going to be a case of right now, as of this moment, we can go forward and do X, Y, and Z. Um, I think it's going to be more a case of, giving us a bit of a mapped out timeline of what we can expect over the coming weeks and months. Um, and as you kind of interestingly pointed out, and, and I wholeheartedly agree, I think that's uh, an, an attempt to keep people, keep people playing the game to some extent, keep people invested in the process, um, you know, with the view that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Because um, at the minute, I think that the most challenging thing, and one of the things that I'm finding myself and my clients are struggling with more than anything is the unpredictability of the whole situation. It's like, how long is this going to last? Mm. How, how many changes do we have to te- have to make within, within our daily lifestyles? You know, be, and obviously I understand and appreciate the value in pivoting as quickly as possible and making big changes to, to facilitate the situation. But, you know, if you're going to make lasting changes that require a lot of time, effort and money, then you really want to have an idea at least of how long you can expect this situation to go on for. So I think more than anything, people are looking forward to having some clarity on, you know, how long does this look like it's going to go on for, you know, at least as a guideline. Yeah, I think that's a great word, clarity, because you and I both agreed that there's a lot of confusion right now. There's a lot of misinformation or potentially manipulated information or incorrect information or incorrect forecasts or estimations about what is and what isn't going to happen and it is very confusing as 
just a human being in general, but as a business owner, and that's really what this show is about, about trying to help people make the best decisions when it comes to their business. And we're going to get into that in a second when we talk about how we can maybe protect against another situation like this, another pandemic. But it is very confusing, the current situation. I think you're right. We, we, we need clarity, first of all. And so do sort of your clients, right? They need clarity in order to be able to move forward with their fitness, with their nutrition, with their health, to know what they're playing with. Because I think when we came into to lockdown, I think it was 23rd of March, I think it was, if, if I've got that right, when we were first going into lockdown, I think a lot of like consumers of fitness products and coaching and stuff, they were just like, oh, okay, well, let's just put things on pause for a second, week, couple of weeks. Let's just see how this plays out. Never experienced anything like this before. It's probably going to go back to normal in a couple of weeks. Gyms will, mm. will reopen. Everything will be sweet. And I noticed this with my uh, personal trainers that I work with. A lot mm. of their clients just froze. Right? Mm. They were like, right, let's just, let's just pause for a second. I think a lot of personal trainers as well listening to this will be like, um, yeah, we thought it would blow over pretty quickly because no one really expects what they've never experienced before. It's hard to comprehend sometimes a situation when you've never been in one. So you don't know what's coming. And I think that was difficult for a lot of personal trainers, but also for the consumer as well. But I think after about two or three weeks, I think the consumer then was like, oh, it looks like we're probably going to be in this a little bit longer than anticipated. Maybe I should just try and carry on with normal life mm. and get back to my fitness and nutrition. Um, what, what, what did you see? What did you well, see? What you're explaining there is is like exactly what I noticed happen, at least within my own business and, and my close friends' businesses as coaches, as online coaches, personal trainers, etc. And uh, looking into that a little bit further, you know, this is the Kubler-Ross model to, to a stressful situation. So the Kubler-Ross model is basically the five stages um, that somebody will go through emotionally when something really traumatic happens. And you can correlate that perfectly to, to the pandemic. And um, what we see initially is that kind of denial phase, that phase where it's like, this isn't happening, this isn't real, this is going to blow over. And then there's like the anger phase where you're like, shit, this is, this is happening and I'm kind of pissed off by it. Whether you're a business owner, if you're a coach who's maybe having to close their gym doors, their studio doors, their clients are leaving them, then they're not bringing any money in. And then slowly we get into the kind of acceptance phase, which a lot of people are in now. And it's like, right, I'm in the acceptance phase. I understand that this is happening. This is real. And my reality is changing. And then hopefully you kind of bypass potentially what they call the depression phase and into um, the growth phase, which is right. Well, now this is my reality. How do I move forwards? You know, so people who are, who are of a, um, you know, a positive mindset during the situation are looking at ways of, of pivoting either their business or their health and fitness to kind of match the situation that we're in. So uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that situation. I noticed it with a myself, my clients, and like I say, all of my friends' businesses and their clients as well. So yeah, definitely. Mm. It, it's a big adjustment, isn't it? To be doing things one way, whether you're the business owner or whether you're the consumer whether you've got access to a gym or whether you haven't, when you have to change what you know how to do and it's, and it's like a, a new environment or a new situation, it, it requires some adjustment for everyone. So for the personal trainer listening who was 
in the gym eight hours a day to now being at home eight hours a day, still having to work on their business, that's kind of a difficult adjustment when you're not used to working in that environment and you're used to switching off in that environment. Do you know what I mean? And, and I find that hard myself as well. I like to be in my office and try and keep my home as like my, my chill zone. Yeah, sure. Otherwise, yeah. it just like bleeds into each other. Mm. And then it's like, should I be switching off? Should I be switching on? Mm. And it, it's hard for your mind to kind of like to, to be in the right zone when there's, mm. no, there's no boundary yeah. or the environment has changed on you. And I think the consumer went through this, this same situation where they were like, oh, I don't have a gym anymore. Surely I can't train anymore then because I don't mm-hmm. train at home. So how would I be able to train at home? Because I don't train. Right. Environment is so important. Yeah, it's like this. People are maybe finding it hard to wrap their head around it initially. And then when they realize that there is no other option, then they're like, okay, maybe I need to rethink what I think is possible in pursuit of getting what I want, maybe health, nutrition, or from a business standpoint, from from um, yeah, from a business standpoint as well. So... Yeah, it's unprecedented, the situation. It's very interesting to see how it plays out. What I'm hoping for right now is a relaxation of the rules, which I think everyone is, right? Everyone wants a relaxation. But you and I, I think, agree that that won't be the case. Not yet anyway. Maybe we'll get a couple of inches. Maybe they'll say, oh, you can exercise more than once a day. Maybe they'll say something like that. And they'll lay out a map. They'll lay out a plan and give people hope, but still keep us in this situation possibly two or three more months before things maybe go back to normal what do you think about gyms though what's your forecast for gyms because this is a big speculation on the podcast is like what's going to happen with gyms and i think we have to see them going back to normal i think we have to take like a the viewpoint from the people who are ultimately making the decisions that they don't understand and appreciate the value that you know health and fitness provides i think um both physically and and emotionally and psychologically to a lot of people and how a lot of people really do rely on this stuff. Um, and, you know, you can understand them. You can, you can forgive them, I guess, for thinking that a gym is probably a hotbed environment for whatever virus there may or may not be, or, or to what extent we, we are going to be affected by that. And so the likelihood is, is that we won't see gyms opening much further down the line uh, along the time scale of um, them beginning to resume to normality. My biggest concern is whether or not they group a gym facility all in one kind of catchment pool or whether or not they have um, the common sense approach to know that, you know, small business owners such as maybe PT studio owners um, who are working on a more one-to-one or exclusive or one-to-few basis um, can maybe reopen and exercise social distancing and much better than a a public gym can and then even beyond that looking at big commercial gym chains places like pure gym david lloyd's all those kind of facilities versus a family run medium-sized gym they can maybe again practice the the use of social distancing and, and some of those guidelines a little bit more effectively so you know you'd like to think that they don't bunch everybody in the same group and that it's just whether or not they have the the capability to oversee that and to 
have clear direction on who falls into what because otherwise if there's yeah. very blurred lines then people are going to obviously take take advantage of the situation and they would probably rather just have a very broad yes and no i would imagine i don't know again this is all speculation isn't it it's such a strange yeah. situation 100 percent. i think like the big boxes are gonna suffer the most because mm. they're high density right same as like yeah. um, a concert high density very close contact Mm. So they're going to be kind of at the tail end of relaxation, I imagine. So the big boxes probably going to have like limited occupancy, limited hours, maybe limited PTs, very mm. stringent measures to keep it clean, which is basically going to piss off the consumer or members. Yeah. Right. So there'll be like a decline on that front. Because if, mm. if I'm a consumer and I'm said, I, I have limited hours to go to the gym or, um, only certain amount of people are allowed to go into the gym. That means they'll have to turn people away. Yeah, if everyone sure. wants to go to the gym at the same time, if you turn someone away enough times, what are they going to do? They're going to say, mm. fuck this. Mm. I'll, I'll do it a different way. And they'll maybe train from home or find another facility or do something differently. So I think that will have a ripple effect where the, the memberships are going to get affected in, in that sense because of the stringent rules. So I think big boxes are going to suffer a lot. I was speaking to an S&C coach actually yesterday. Um, I was sat in Media City just down the road from me, just having a coffee outside, social distancing, of course. He was two meters away. We were, <laughs> we were yeah. having a chat, but he had rode down on his bike and he has a small little studio with all his equipment up in, um, I think it was up in like Rochdale or something, just up the road from me. And uh, we were kind of talking about his business and what would happen like post-lockdown. And I honestly think that his type of business, a small studio where he could um, control social distancing very easily would be easier for him to rebuild or restart the cogs yeah. of his offline business versus yeah. say a PT within a big box mm. where it's being overseen very um, rigidly and very strictly. Yeah that's going to be much harder. So if you're in maybe like a smaller studio or you've got yeah. your own private studio or you train people from home, mm. that's probably going to be your best option. And that's kind of what anyone in a big box gym needs to take into consideration. Okay, mm. if that is the way that I can still maintain my business and still coach clients, maybe I, I need to let go of this big box um, model for now yeah. Yeah. and see how I can go the reverse way in kind of like the lockdown on the way in it was like gyms closed everyone went to outdoor workouts and boot camps then it was like okay that's not allowed then people were doing like social distancing one-to-ones mm. and then it was complete lockdown and maybe there were still people doing it i don't know but it, i imagine it's going to be the reverse going back in so yeah. you've got to kind of think okay if it's the reverse how do i plan now to make sure that i'm doing the right things or which which is what you've done in the last couple of years is you go, okay, the offline model is great, but there's restrictions with that. Mm. And what if there's another pandemic? What if gyms mm. close again? And this is where we can kind of segue, I suppose, into another model, which is going digital, going online, doing it where there is no restriction. Yeah. Right. From a, from a coaching standpoint, mm. let's talk about that for anyone listening. Cause there's probably people listening to the show thinking, okay, Maybe I don't want to go back to that old model. Maybe I don't mm. want to be stuck in the, in the gym model. Maybe I don't want to be 
told that I can train and can't train people at certain times, or I can only have a limited amount of clients come and see me because the numbers are restricted in the gym. That's very suppressing, right? Whereas if you built a different model that didn't um, or wasn't dictated by the same rules, then you could probably prosper and succeed better. Tell us about your journey from going one-to-one or offline to, to online and what that tr- transition was like for, for you, Oi. So for me specifically, it's probably very different to a few people or most people, I, w- I would imagine, just simply because, I don't know, it's just been a bizarre journey, if you like. Um, my kind of fitness career started out in the British Army. So um, I served in the British Army for close to close to 10 years um, and I was a physical training instructor as one of my kind of side roles in the army. So I was in charge of taking, you know, the soldiers through their physical training. And that's how I kind of got interested in in PT, I guess. And so I did um, my PT qualification whilst I was still serving in the view to with the view to kind of uh, leave the forces and, and become a personal trainer. And then I actually saw a position come up to work with uh, Jay Alderton. Many, many guys and girls will know Jay Alderton in the industry um, for his, his flagship gym in Chichester, uh, Grenade Fit. So I managed to get that job. Um, so I was PTing out of, out of his gym in, in Chichester. And, you know, working closely with Jay kind of set me up really well, I, I guess, more so than a lot, of, a lot of gyms would in that, you know, he was great at showing us the ropes with what is possible in the realms of online coaching many pts who qualify and then go and work in a in a big box gym or a commercial gym aren't aren't kind of subjected to that environment at that level at least so i knew from early on a how to do it and b what was possible with it so i was always kind of mindful of that and i was always working towards that but you know it is I, I, I do see difficulty in literally just starting out and saying, right, I'm an online coach. I do see merit in, in having an offline model to begin with and, and gradually building on the online as you, as you grow. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I PT out of Jay's place for, for two years. I then opened my own facility alongside my business partners. And all the while I was growing my, my online business. Um, and there's a point in that, that I think is really important for your listeners is that, it's that kind of cheesy, cheesy saying that I, I almost hate saying, but it, it rings so true is you've got to dress for the job you want. Okay. So what that means is you may not be an online coach now, but if you have views and ambitions to be an online coach, then you need to be acting accordingly. You need to be putting the things in place in the background alongside what you're currently doing so that the transition is smooth and effortless. And that's exactly what I did. I, I again, coached face to face less and less as my online grew to the point where, right, I can I can sustain myself now really comfortably with just the online model. And I, I was at that point where my just lifestyle kind of lent towards not wanting to trade my time for money, which is quite often what an offline model is. Um, and I gave up the face-to-face stuff, got rid of the unit, and I've been fully online for um, just over half a year now. But that's been a process of over four years. I haven't just jumped straight in and, and been an online coach. I, I do think that's possible, you know, and it's very individual dependent on social media followings and credibility and all of these different things. But I think it does usually work a little bit better starting with face to face and then gradually building the online stuff. So I don't know if you're in agreement with that. I know you work with a lot of coaches, but um, I mean, have you ever seen cases of guys literally just going, I'm going to be an online coach and just going straight in? Uh, I doubt. 
definitely see people finding it a super attractive model mm. and thinking it's this um, easy thing that you can just build overnight when in actual fact, if you've struggled to build an offline business, you, you're going to struggle even more to build an online business because there's more moving parts and there's more complexity to it, as you know, right? There's yeah. like tech, it's harder to build no like and trust with someone that you're not like yeah. speaking to face-to-face. So you have to be really good at marketing, really good at storytelling, very um, likable or willing to get on camera and build relationships. There's a lot more that goes into an online business. Mm-hmm. But when we kind of like survey people to, to work online with us, that's one of the key things that we look for is have you got a coaching background or experience? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to have another level of complexity to make it difficult for you. You don't want to be learning coaching online. Because yeah, exactly, it's, yeah. it's even harder to do. Mm-hmm. You want to have a background of working with clients offline, getting get, getting uh, results, and almost kind of knowing what you like and dislike. Because as you know yourself, it's really important when you go online is not just trying to serve everyone. You've got to serve a specific group of people. So if you've mm-hmm. never worked with a well-rounded group of people, how do you know who you want to specialize in working with? Mm-hmm. And you could have a guess at it, but you might get it wrong because you've never worked with those people. And then you get into it and you realize, actually, I don't like working with this demographic. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to rebuild your whole brand and marketing. Yeah. So it's really good that you would have tested things out offline. You'll have got results. You'll learn how to coach and you'll have figured out what you like and dislike because that can go and really focus in online because as you know, you can't serve everyone online, not to begin no. with anyway. You've no. got to go very niche until you get super established, get loads of results, and then you can expand out. Whereas most novice um, people or naive coaches, personal trainers will think, oh, I'm just going to try and help everyone because there's way more people online. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is that, that message won't connect because mm-hmm. it's weak. It's vanilla. It's not going to mm-hmm. resonate with anyone. Because every motherfucker is marketing online to the masses. So you have to be very, very focused with who you're speaking to. Otherwise, you don't attract anyone to work with you. And if you do, you won't be able to charge them very much because you're not a specialist. Well, that's, that's, so I think, um, that's it. Yeah, the, specialist, the, the specialist thing is huge. You know, it's that, that false idea that, you know, have, casting your net wider and working with more people, you've got more potential to create income and to help people, more social proof. Like on the surface, it seems like a legit idea, but realistically, it makes you a generalist. And, and as you say, when you're really super niche and you know your demographic and you want to work with those people, you're passionate about working with those people, you can get great results with those people. All of a sudden, you become a specialist, mm. you become more sought after, you can charge more money um, and you get better results and, and you enjoy it more. You know, that's yeah. one of the things that a lot of people overlook is they're working with people and they're coaching people that they fucking hate you know like pts in particular and i get you know when you start out you kind of have to take it where it where you can get it but they're turning up to sessions and they're looking in their diary and they're like oh fucking susan's coming in today i hate that bitch excuse my french (laughs) but you know it's like when you get to a point where you've been doing it long enough and and you know who it is that you want to work with and you know you can help those people you can be a bit more selective with who you do and don't work with but you, you first and foremost need to have a clear idea as to who that person is, who is that avatar, you know? Mm. And, and like going back to the time for money thing, like on the gym floor or in a locality, that is the niche. The niche is the location. Mm. So people that don't think they've got a niche offline, they have, 
It's just it's a location niche. Mm. You're working within a proximity of your facility. Those yeah. people are looking for someone locally that they want to work with face to face. So you're limited to that spot mm. and you, you're a specialist in the area, but just mm. serving a general populace. Mm. Whereas when you go online, that's not the case because there is no boundaries and the consumer is looking for a specialist solution because they have options now. Because when they go online, they can find people that fix specific problems mm. and they're much more likely to go with someone that specializes in women and fat loss if that's who they are, a woman looking for fat loss yeah. versus a guy that just serves everyone because they're, they're going to trust that more than someone that just serves everyone. And then equally from a scalability standpoint, like offline, you're working with a general populace. It's hard to scale that because you're like serving so many different people. It's like trying to produce a Mercedes, a BMW and a Jag at the same time, three production lines serving maybe people that want to tone up, people that want to compete, women that want to lose fat. Like they're all different things and they all require different productions, different programming, different solutions, different mm. problems. That is very difficult to scale. Whereas if you go online and you just pick out one production line, just say Mercedes, you can then like automate a lot of it and you can produce at a much faster rate and you can take on more production. And that's where the scalability comes from which is what a lot of people don't appreciate is when you go wide, it's like trying to build multiple production lines and that's confusing. It's a headache. It'll slow you down and it's not scalable. You might as well just carry on doing face to face. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So that's kind of my two cents on that. Anything else to add though, in terms of like this transition online, because this is really the only option for, for coaches right now, the only option yeah. for coaches right now and could be for a long time is, coaching people online and equally if they want to protect themselves against another eventuality another pandemic which mm. could be very more um severe than this current one we mm. could we could have one in five or ten years that is devastating literally things could be closed for years we don't know right because mm. mm. this is just one strain of one virus of many there could be mm. other things that come along so like this model and this diversification is a very important thing to be looking at right now if you want to stay in the business for a long time. Otherwise, you may be forced out due to situations beyond your control. Whereas this, you can control. You can build yeah. this model. You can do it, diversify this way. What else? So we've talked about like having a coaching background and picking kind of like a focus or a niche. What are some of the things that you've learned along the way or mistakes you made that you wouldn't want anyone else to make? Um, really good question. Again, just kind of going back to that point that you finished on prior to that was, um, I think this situation is really forcing coaches hands. And I think that's cool. I think it's making a lot of coaches level up. Mm. And I think it's going to serve them well in the long run, massively, right. And again, with the question that you just asked there, what have, what have I learned? And what would I want other coaches to know is don't ever think that something is beyond your needs. So let me explain that a little bit more. So I work with, similarly to you, I work with coaches who, who basically want to improve their online systems and deliver a better service essentially. And sometimes I'll pose um, something to a client or a coach and say, look, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to deliver this system. This is how you're going to onboard your clients, for example. And their friction might be, I've only got 
five online clients at the minute. Do I need that? Do I need that? And um, it's this idea that unless you're at a certain level, you don't need to concern yourself with these things. And there's an element of truth in that, you know, but you're limiting your scalability. You're limiting your ability to help more people the longer you don't put those things in place. And also the knock and effect of having those things in place is that when you deliver this incredible service that's like world-class, people are going to be screaming your name from the rooftops. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your profile is, how many followers you've got. If you deliver an incredible service to your current clients, um, people are going to speak about you and people are going to find out about you. And so getting your head around that is, is massive and it will make you level up massively. You know, a lot of people think that they can get away with just, you know, sending off their PDFs and doing an email check-in and all that kind of stuff. And that's fine. You'll be fine doing that, but you won't scale and grow. Um, so start sweating the small stuff and um, don't think anything is above you. Don't think anything is, you know, beyond your requirements, I guess, for want of a better phrase. I love what you said about like implementing the systems early because mm. like the last thing you want to do is get busy and then try and build the systems because then it's, it hard. yeah. it's harder to do. Mm. You, like when you've got the time on your hands, that's when you want to yes. be putting them in. But yeah. also you want to be thinking as if you're bigger than you are. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You want to be putting in the things in place now to, to lay the foundations and pave the way for a bigger and better business. Mm. Cause like the online space really does revolve around really good repeatable processes and systems because mm. that's what frees you up to then take on more clients and help more people and create more impact. Mm. But if you take on too many people and then you don't have time to create the systems, then you're stuck to catch 22 mm. you can't create the systems. You can't take on more people. So you can't move anywhere. So it's like, I love what you said about putting them in early and just thinking with the end in mind or the future in mind, like where do you want to be and how would that look and how would the business look if you wanted to be working with 20, 30, 40 clients a month? What would you need to have in place and start thinking about that now? And don't get caught up on the little things. I see people getting like, bogged down with, oh, do I really need to pay 10 pound a month for this Calendly link to have an Like think bigger, think yeah. bigger than 10 quid. Mm. Or oh, what about the 2.9% fee on Stripe? Oh, yeah, PayPal? yeah. It's yeah. like raise your prices to absorb it then. Mm. Stop thinking so small and start thinking bigger and that will allow you to grow. If mm. you're like penny pinching around 2.9% on Stripe or PayPal or £10 on Calendly, then you're going to be limited in your growth anyway because your mindset is putting a glass ceiling on your growth. Yeah. You need Absolutely. to be thinking about the person that you want to be and the business you want to have, not who you currently are. Mm. Otherwise, that train of thinking will keep you exactly where you're at. Massive. Let's talk, let's talk about mindset. Mm. Let's talk about mindset right now, actually, in terms mm. of like, this current situation. Because I know when we chatted last week, we were talking about uh, the current situation and how you think about it and what you consume and what you need to put in place and... Uh, from someone who is doing well and like you're still very active and growing your business, there's a mindset that's required to accomplish that and achieve it. Mm. Because if you're stressed, scared, um, feeling down, that's going to bleed into the business. It's going to affect things and it's going to affect your clients 
Mm. It's going to rub off on them and it's going to cause worse results with your clients as well. So like as business owners, we've got to be bulletproof to a degree, like no one's bulletproof, but we've got to keep ourselves intact and make sure that we're operating mentally at the best possible level. How do you do that? What do you do? What are some some of Ollie's secrets when it comes to like staying level-headed? Have you got any? Rule number one is protect your inputs. First and foremost, like if, if I love Alex's content, but you know, he's struggling in this situation and he's a little bit down by it all and you're a bit of a pessimist and you're, you, you're complaining on social media all the time, which of course you're not, you know, saying that, oh, this is affecting my business and whatever, then that's fine. If I like you, then I'm just going to mute you for now. I'm going to unfollow you because I don't, I don't need that negativity right now. And then I'll maybe come back and follow you in a couple of weeks time. And that's the advice that I'm giving a lot of my guys be it online coaching clients or mentoring guys and girls is protect your inputs because it's such a subconscious thing, but that, that energy will just seep into your psyche. And if you're constantly bombarded by the general media, social media, people telling you that things are awful and and all the rest of it, that can't help but rub off on you, you know? So I have a limit on how much general media I consume. I'll watch the news once per day as a maximum just to get the the general updates Mm -hmm. and if I'm scrolling through social media and I see someone being a whiny little bitch, then, and I like them, I'll unfollow them for now, put them on my little list in my notes and come back and follow them in a couple of weeks time. Um, but guarding your inputs is huge um, to, to kind of protecting your own sanity and mindset, but mindset more generally and more broadly, I'm largely of the belief that it's part nature and part nurture, you know, like there's definitely some element of truth in the fact that, you know, without even looking at what people do on a day-to-day basis, some people just grow up warriors. Some people grow up really headstrong. Some people are go-getters. I think some of that is hardwired into us. I think some of that is nature, you know, but there's definitely things that we can do to, to kind of emphasize the good qualities that we want in a strong mindset. So, I mean, me personally, I journal, I'm very self-aware at the end of the day, I'll just write down like a daily gratitude log and just say the things that I've been grateful for that day, things that I can improve in myself, things that frustrated me. So just physically writing those things down really enables me to be self-aware um, and and then work around those issues. You know, like if if you're just burying your head in the sand, then that's, that's a, a recipe for disaster in terms of just like your daily actions. So mindset is a huge, huge, you know, player in all of this stuff for sure. Um, but I think it's partly nature, partly nurture. I don't know if you agree with that, Alex, mate, or if you just think like, just fucking get after it. <laughs> I do agree. Like there must be some hardwired things within us, like our chemical makeup. And um, a lot of it will also be due to childhood experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, where we've, we've had traumas or we've had situations like myself, my dad left me when I was very young Mm. So for me, that's going to build in a fear of rejection, right? Mm. Naturally, later in life, I'm going to fear rejection or I'm going to uh, feel scared about not being accepted into a relationship or society. And and that that can cause havoc if I hadn't identified that it was something that happened in my past and it's not necessarily going to be true in the future. And that only comes through like self discovery and figuring things out. Um, and journaling a lot. I do a lot of that myself where I write things out on paper and I analyze my thoughts. I did it this morning. 
and I do it like a weekly review every week. So I'll do a weekly review of, of my business, um, of my mindset, like a more thorough one. And I'll do that every week on a Sunday and I have done for over half a year, every single Sunday, but every, every day I journal as well. So I will write and I'll get my thoughts out because sometimes they can like just fester inside mm. your head and they can cause issues that you don't see because you can't see them. They're not mm. tangible things. They're just thoughts. So until you get them out and, and get and get them on paper, you can't necessarily address them. So for me, it's just like, okay, being conscious that, yeah, I may have hardwired things or I may have had traumas or things that had happened early in life, but how do I become conscious or aware of those things so I can address them? That does work with journaling, but also the inputs. And this is pretty, pretty obvious because it's the same with nutrition, right? You put in pizza and fries and burgers. What does that do to your body? It makes it unhealthy and susceptible to disease. If you put in bad media, you put in negativity, you listen to hate, that's then going to create an unhealthy mindset and that's going to bleed through into other things. So I'm with you on that one. I don't have a TV in, I have one, but I don't have it there. It's in a cupboard. Got rid of it probably a year ago because there's nothing on there that is really um, contributing to my vision or my life or my goals. So I just use my computer. I'll just use my laptop and I'll listen to documentaries, Joe Rogan, Andy Frazella. Um, I'll do research. I will, I will watch some junk from time to time as like a switching off mechanism. So like later in the evening, I probably won't listen to like Elon Musk because that will make it hard for me to sleep because he's talking about, <laughs> yeah, he's talking about like AI and yeah. about installing this, um, I think it's called Neuralink or whatever into, into people's brains in the next five years. Like that stuff's too intense. So I will try and use an input to turn me off as well. So I'll maybe watch something like um, maybe Love Island. I'll watch an hour of that really late. Just something like reality TV just to, mm. to switch me off because it's mind numbing, but I won't like gorge on bad news or negativity or hate or even I won't engage in it really either. So if someone sent me a, a negative comment or on one of my Facebook ads, someone was like, you're a fucking loser. I just delete it because I don't have the energy to, to go yeah. into it. Plus the emotional charge I'd get from it would be a negative one. Mm -hmm. which is then going to affect other things in my life. When I hear things, yeah, they hurt, but I try and like get rid of them really quickly so that it doesn't have like a psychological or physiological impact on mm -hmm. my life and, and my mindset. So I, I'm a big believer in, in like limiting the inputs. The inputs mm -hmm. one is, is big, just like taking drugs, alcohol, or food. It's the same with what you consume, mm -hmm. news, media, or negativity. Those things are very detrimental to your whole existence. 100%. I love what you said about the the like negative comments and, and things of that nature as well. Like energy is finite and, you know, you can either spend it for good or you can spend it for bad. And um, it's understanding that it's, it's a bit like a currency in that if you overspend, you're going to run out and you can't place it into things that are ultimately important. So yeah, replying to to hate mail and, and stuff like that is just it's just a waste of your currency at the end of the day. So, yeah, totally agree with that, dude. Yeah, you've got to pick your battles, haven't you? Because I would, I would have before, like engaged with stuff like that. So anyone listening to this that maybe is getting slagged off or they've had negative comments or they did a post and people didn't agree with it, you can get sucked into that situation, but you've got to kind of check yourself and be self-aware enough to go, 
is engaging in this and this time I'm about to invest going to get me to where I want to be? Mm. Is it going to allow me to get to my goals? Is it going to allow me to reach that place of more happiness that I'm looking for? Or is it going to take me away from that? And I've realized that I'm too fucking busy to engage in stuff that is not aligned with what I'm trying to get to because I don't have the time. Because mm. if I invest it in that, my client is going to suffer. If I invest my time in negativity, that's 15 more minutes I didn't invest in creating something or helping a client. I didn't create another training or a piece of content or a feedback or I didn't give my client an extra nudge or I missed something that a client said because I was too focused on this. Mm-hmm. Like my vision and my goals, my clients suffer every time I get distracted for stuff that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So you've got to check yourself, but that comes with self-awareness and the way to develop it is the best way I know, as you pointed out, is writing, journaling, mm-hmm. getting outside your head and getting a, a different perspective or having a coach, having a mentor, talking yeah. with like another peer like yourself, like mm-hmm. you and I talking now, we're having our own little moments of discovery and we're realizing our things ourselves because this is one of the reasons why i love the podcast is when i'm talking mm. i'm also observing what i say and then when you're talking I'm, I'm listening to response so i'm becoming more self-aware as i speak so it's just like just talking with someone who's not going to judge you is not negative getting your thoughts and opinions out there having good dialogue and conversation versus chatting to harry um, 22 who's slamming you on fucking yeah, yeah. Instagram in the comments yeah. sat behind a computer it's, it's mm. not helping you mm. yeah totally agree mate um, let's talk about social then social media let's switch gears into social because um, obviously it's a great tool for building a business um, and you've got a, a really good Instagram and, and you're posting consistent content you're putting stuff out there and you've started a podcast um, with one of our other guests um, who was on the show, Matt Peacock. Um, is it Matt and Ollie Chew the Fat? Ollie and Matt Chew the Fat. Close. I, I got it wrong. Close. Wrong around. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I love the branding. It's similar to um, to Matt's branding, isn't it? Matt uh, just ran with Matt ran with it, so it was obviously the kind of people in line with his stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I love, I love, I love like branding and like consistency, and mm. obviously your stuff is very congruent as well. Like it all looks same. Anyone that's watching can see your um, your brand in, in the background there. Talk mm. about that, like the branding side of things. Why why is that important to be kind of like consistent with branding and your approach and and your your tone and your messaging? Well, it's it's hugely important as as you all know. Um, just simply from a consumer perspective, you know, like if you're looking to work with people, they need to have trust in you and your brand. And um, actually, you know, listening to Jay not so long ago, we were both speaking at um, IFS in Barcelona and I was listening to his talk on branding and he had a really cool nugget that I loved. And he spoke about the idea that your brand should be so clear that people can recognize it instantly. And he used the example of, could you imagine if you were walking through London City, right? And you saw a Nike hotel. And Nike have nothing to do with hotels or hospitality. But because it's a Nike hotel, you would want to stay there because the brand is so good. It's so clear that you instantly have trust in the brand, despite the fact that they've got no experience with hotels whatsoever. Um, and I love that idea that you have something that is so tangible and so 
um, associated with with excellence, with results, with whatever it is that you're trying to convey, that it's undeniable, that it's just a case of like, Ollie's moved into doing this. Well, he ran condition, so condition, and I know condition delivers results. So I've got no doubt that this is going to be amazing, you know. And that idea um, always sits at the back of my mind whenever I'm creating a product or thinking about delivering a service. Is what's the brand message? Who do I want to work with? How do I help them? And um, and ultimately, how's it going to impact my image? So, branding needs to be consistent. It needs to be clear. And it has to be associated with excellence. And, and that's like my take on branding. I think um, I think it's massively overlooked, unfortunately, by a lot of personal trainers that maybe don't feel they warrant, you know, like a high level brand. But I think it's the difference between someone doing well and doing extraordinarily well, you know. Mm, I like that. This is kind of a, an open-ended question, but how do you feel about social media? Just what like generally? To, yeah, so what comes to mind when I say that? How do I feel about social media? For me, I, I guess I have a completely different view on social media simply because social media is work for me. You know, social media for a lot of people is enjoyment. It's downtime. It's sat down, you know, of an evening scrolling or whatever. For me, it's just solely work. I honestly think that if I didn't do what I did, I wouldn't use it. Probably wouldn't use it at all. But I understand the importance of you know, like you said at the very beginning of the call, storytelling. I think you said that off air, actually. Storytelling, um, giving people an insight into who you are as a person. Because at the end of the day, people by people, there are thousands of incredible coaches out there. Every single person who comes to work with me is because they want to work with me. Everybody who comes and works with Alex, they want to work with Alex because they they know you as a person and they want to work with you. Mm. You know, they can, they can get m- mentoring from wherever but they want to work with you right so as a coach it's it's hugely invaluable it's the most it's the most valuable tool you've got you know you even have to you don't have to look at you know i guess huge giant companies and corporations using social media as a means of advertising their products and services because that's where people are spending their time consuming content Mm. so um I, i don't think i would enjoy it if i wasn't doing this but you know it's a it's a necessity so that's that's my view on it, to be honest with you, mate. Yeah, I'm just intrigued um, just about kind of the pressure that we have to mm. constantly be there. Do you, do you yeah. feel that sometimes where you almost feel like a pressure to, to be online, to be sharing, to be posting? And some days you just don't want to. Yeah. Some days 100%. you just want to switch off and you just want to like not even speak to the world. And, mm-hmm. and you've almost got this conflict where you want to build your business and you know that is the mechanism, but equally you don't want to use it sometimes. And it's almost like this back and forth. I find it sometimes I I go through periods of like really enjoying producing and creating content. And other times like, fuck, this is a chore. Mm. I wish I didn't have social media. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like you've created this world where you, where you, I don't want to say stuck because that's unfair because I'm very grateful to social media for what it's done for me and my life and my business. But I almost feel like I've created this catch 22 where I can't let go of it. I'm, uh, stuck, that's, I'm stuck in that's, it. There's a level of expectation there, isn't there, from the people on the receiving end, mm. you know, especially if you're somebody who is consistent and you're putting out this message, especially with what we do when we're telling our clients, 
you need to be consistent you need to be putting out content you know then you need to as the as the teller of that story need to be also replicating that but also i think that's massively where knowing your why comes into play um, and comes into its own you know if your why is you want to provide like my why personally for me is to give my kids the life that i never had you know i want to be able to send them to whatever school they want i want to set them up with their first homes if they can't afford a down payment on a home i want to i want to be able to buy them a car for their 18th birthday all that kind of shit that i never had wish and... i was your son <laughs> <laughs> He'll, sign, he'll, get some, <laughs> he'll get some chores don't get me wrong he's not going to be yeah. handed to him on a plate gotta but, earn that stuff 100 <laughs> percent. but like knowing your why and then reverse engineering what it is you need to to do to go about achieving those things make takes the edge off things like continuing being on social media working long hours yeah. all that kind of stuff so knowing your why is important whether you're on a health and fitness journey or a business journey um it's massive yeah um I think what's important to remember that if you are going into the online space, it is literally like fresh air or oxygen, social media. You mm. actually need it to survive it. online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without it, you're dead. Like yeah. You can't survive without social because it's where all the attention is. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, well, I don't really like social, then you're probably not going to like online business because mm. your main marketing strategy is going to be through social. And it's kind of like for me when I when I wasn't so prominent um, online with my businesses, I wasn't using social media that much. Mm. I didn't use Facebook. My Instagram, I'd post maybe once a month, right? I, I didn't really use it, but then I realized, oh, this is the gateway to more growth and more success. I, I need it. I actually need this tool to then mm-hmm. advance things and push things forward. Um, but yeah, I do find it a, um, a little bit of a burden sometimes. And also it can get distracting as well. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing, because you can overproduce. Mm. I've, I've realized this in the last six months where um, I was producing more than was necessary. Because you mm. can get to a level where you don't have to produce as much anymore. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah definitely. When you've built a brand and you've built a name and you get results and you've got enough social proof, people look forward to that. Look forward to the next nugget that you provide. Yeah, them. you don't have to be banging it out every day. And mm. I realized that as well. And I look at some of my most successful clients who make the most money, they don't post that often. When they do post, it's generally a result, credibility. But they're busy in the background doing what you said earlier, which is so important, getting results. They're working on client results, sales, selling more people into their programs, and then publishing the results and repeating the process. They're dude, not like... That's, that, that's the thing that... That's the dude that everybody who looks at the, the, the glorious online coaching business that they want to run and, you know, it's the, the vision of sitting on a beach and automated systems and just cash rolling in. They look at the marketing, the lead gen and the systems and all the rest of it. And they forget the funda- the fundamental overruling principle of all this is actually being good at your job. Yeah. Um, so like I'll have guys approach me who are like, can you help me with this and that and that? And like, are you getting results right now? Are you, are you doing well with your clients? You need to focus on that first. Massively, 100%. massively. Like the product needs to be right. You know, you, you can market the shit out of something and, and try and polish a turd, but 
the end of the day, if you're not getting results, you're going to get found out very, very quickly. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is like, is another um, element to the results is you get incredible results and that will be your marketing anyway. So yeah. you will one get better word of mouth, more referrals, more business come your way. But equally, if that client has an amazing experience, the client's going to go, what, what's next, Ollie? Mm-hmm. Like, what's mm-hmm. next? Where do I go from here? Mm. And then you retain the customer or you give them a more intimate experience at a higher price point. Mm-hmm. Or you open up a retreat or a seminar. And those clients that you work so hard to get results from are going to then reinvest and put more money back into you and your business. But if you get dog shit results, they're going to leave. So then it's just like this constant churn where it's like, I need to keep posting and generating more leads because I'm just losing everyone mm-hmm. after a after three months and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like you, you have to bring yourself back to what the main focus is, is like client results, mm. client results above everything else. And it's not about more, 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 more clients. It's about how do I get better results that will lead to more clients, more social proof, better marketing, better stuff to talk about. And you'll feel more confident and you'll sell more. Cause like when you know, you've got a shit hot product, you don't have any problem selling it. The people that struggle to sell their programs feel like they have to sell it. That's mm. the problem. If it's a good program and you get results and the social proof's there, selling's easy because you don't really have to sell. It's like, hey, I've got this shit hot product. Do you want it? If not, that's totally cool because a hundred other people will buy it because it's that good. You know what, it'd be, you're, not, it'd be, it'd... you're not saying it, but that yeah. is the underlying feeling you'll have if yeah. it's a good product. Yeah. It becomes this like positive feedback loop as well where like you can do that for so long and get result after result after result. So the point then when people inquire with you and they come on board and they have this expectation working with conditional working with Alex, that they do it themselves. You know, it's like, shit, I'm working with condition now. I'm about to apply myself 1000% to ever. I could tell someone to eat chicken and rice stood on one leg, hopping up and down and they would do it because it's that feeling of they know what's gone before. And so now I'm going to yeah. apply myself accordingly because I'm part of that. You know, it's, it's about being part of something bigger. And that goes, goes back massively to branding. Yeah. You know, if you've got a really strong brand and part of your brand is delivering incredible results, then that will feed into the type of person that A, wants to work with you, people who are committed and, and really, you know, hell bent on getting results. And just, if it just, it has this knock on effect, you know, so it's massive. Big. This has been a good chat, man. We, we blitzed through almost an hour. Yeah. Felt like a heartbeat. <laughs> Went quick, man. And uh, yeah, it was nice spending some time with you today. For anyone listening who wants to find out more about you, um, Instagram is probably going to be a good, a good place to find you, right? What's your, what's your handle on Insta? It's uh, conditioned by Carson. So conditioned with a K by Carson, C-A-R-S-O-N. And yeah, that's the, that's the best place to get me. I've got my link tree on there, so. Awesome. Guys, we'll stick the um, we'll stick the link in the show notes. So if you're listening to this now back on Spotify, iTunes, go click on that, go check out um, Ollie and his brand and his content. And you'll probably stumble across the podcast as well, which you do with Matt Peacock on there, um, which is Ollie and Matt, you the fat. That's, right that That's it. Yeah, good man. Uh, we can chuck that in the show notes as well. Definitely worth listening to um, and surrounding yourself with, with these guys because they're, they're good dudes. And they speak a lot of sense and I respect them. So go check them out. 
but um yeah appreciate you coming on buddy no i appreciate it thanks very much alex man it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure awesome all right guys on facebook we're signing out guys on the podcast we're off to have a good week Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy it, I'd be really grateful if you could leave a short review on one of the platforms. And if you're a personal trainer in a commercial gym with 500 plus members and you want to fast track your income growth and learn how to sign multiple new clients a week, reach out to me personally through Facebook or Instagram and just drop me a private message so we can get the conversation started and see if you could be a good fit for one of our programs. All the links to my social can be found in the show notes so we can connect there. See you next week.